All right. Uh, welcome back to another episode of In Bed with Books. Today, I'm speaking with the author of Sanctuary of the Shadow, Aurora Asher. Thank you for joining Hi. me today. Hi. Thanks for having um, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was really excited when I caught this email. So thank you, Caitlin, for connecting us. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess just start out, do you want to tell me a little bit about your book? Uh, sure. It's a fantasy romance. Um, where do I start? The elevator pitch. This one always gets me. You're like, oh, it took me. I don't know. So yeah, it's got it's uh, in a fantasy world. We have elemental magic. So the five elements and there's like different magical um, species sort of that go with each element and they have different like abilities and appearances. And it's um the our main character harrow lives in a traveling circus and um yeah kind of starts off there and goes places yeah <laughs> uh first of all i love harrow i love the like the last spoiler i guess but like the last seer the last something anything it's really uh, there's there's like the trope itself really sets up a dynamic that I'm always very excited for. So once that became clear, I was like, yes, yes. Oh, sorry. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you a little bit about your reading habits, which as writers informs, you know, what we write. So I want to know the first book that got you really into reading. And if it was fantasy romance, I'd also like to know that, but just generally. So this kind of a two part question for me because when I was a kid I was like an obsessed voracious reader um and then when I got a bit older like teenager years I stopped reading I don't think I read a book like voluntarily chose to read a book for like 10 years or so and then I had I was working this really boring job and I had time this is when I first moved to Montreal and I was just like had time to kill and um I ended up, I don't even know how I stumbled upon, because I never read a romance book in my life. And I stumbled upon um, J.R. Ward's Black Dagger Brotherhood series. I don't know if you know those, but I was like shocked. Like, I was there, like, yes. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that like books were like, <laughs> like you know, like I thought books mm -hmm. were like boring and like educational. I didn't know we could have like this kind of books. So I was really fired up. And that definitely kicked off everything that's happening now. <laughs> beginning of nice, nice. So when when was this? Just about? Uh, it was almost ten years ago now. Maybe like eight or nine years. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, it... Okay. So then, I guess this is kind of pulling. This is this is straying from the list already, but um... go for it. At what point in that, then, did you start writing? Yeah, so that was after the other few years of, like, once I discovered romance books were a thing, I was like, well, I need to read everything. And, like, I was really obsessed with paranormal romance. That's always been my, like, first kind of love. Um, and I guess it was, like, three or four years, three years probably, of like really obsessive reading like it would be like my husband like couldn't take me anywhere without me like with my kindle like in my back pocket we sit for like five minutes i was like let's just keep like are you <laughs> me like i'm still done with it 
But uh, then, yeah, and then I started getting all these like weird ideas of things that I wanted to see in books or like ideas or like whatever. And I would always like be like ranting at my husband again, poor guy. And he, he was eventually like, just write your own book. <laughs> and I was like, oh just my God, stop. Oh, put it on pages. Stop telling me. Like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, then that, that was that the beginning of what I'm doing now. Nice. Nice. That's that's like a crazy transition there. I think. I forget because I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but like I've been reading pretty much nonstop since I could read. And so, I mean, I've dabbled in writing, but just like jumping the gun there, like in a good way, in a good way, an absolutely like phenomenal way, because this book is so good. And just like the the art artistry behind it, I'm so like amazed. So <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think I've always had like a really overactive imagination. And I think what what took it what it took to like make that jump was to have an idea that like like I kept I was I just kind of like formulated ideas and then at a certain point it was like well I'm not reading this idea so I want to write it <laughs> nice nice I love that all right um so I guess this this is I am curious to hear this now but how do you choose what books to read. Um, I'm like a hundred percent a mood reader, so I have no, there's no such thing as a TBR for me. I don't like plan books. If I want to read a book, I just read it. So it really depends on like where I'm at actually like emotionally <laughs> because yes. I use, I use reading as like an outlet kind of, especially now that I'm primarily a writer. Um, so I tend to not read things that are similar to what I'm writing because I find it just like gets muddled not like memory but more like I start questioning what I'm doing when I'm comparing when I'm reading something that's comparable so like while I've been writing this last year I got really randomly into like rom-coms <laughs> so like that's my current like saves right now it's just like the cutest fluffiest but still spicy rom-coms nice yes I love that uh yeah. what was your favorite one from last year then because there was I mean, I'm partial to like the trashy, like sea level. Like I'm talking, I watch Hallmark with my mom on the regulars. So. Yeah, yeah. I actually can't remember. I, I wish that I had prepared for the the Karamkom question because I can't actually remember what the my favorite one that I read was. I wish I had a rec to give you. I I read a lot. I think I read like a hundred twenty books last year. Oh my god! Okay. Yes. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, then, if you do think of one, tell me later, and then I'll make sure to add okay. it to the description. I will. Um, okay, but then this—the next question is: What is your go-to recommendation for anybody to read? Um, I always say, like, because paranormal romance was my first kind of love. Like, I'm always like, at my heart, I like, I just always go back to those books. Um, and I have like two series that I love, love and will reread like every couple of years just because they're, you know, like comfort food or something at this point. But it's, um, Cressley Cole's Immortals After Dark series and also Larissa Ione or Eon, I'm not sure how to say her last name, the Demonica series by her. Both of those series are just like, they're so good. Okay. They're so fun and bingeable and like exciting. I love it. I will definitely add those to my list because I'm looking for more bingeable things. I 
I tell myself that every year when I'm setting like reading goals and then I end up with like 500 page books, like four or 500 page books in a row. And I'm like, how? Oh, my gosh. Why did I do this to myself? (laughs) Um, Yeah, like they're both those series are the books aren't short, but they're not like they're like like you just flip through them and they're like just so exciting. And um, yeah, and they're and they're all like, sorry to do this to you, but they're both like 10 plus books long. (laughs) So um, you'll, oh you'll darn! Be stuck. You'll be stuck <laughs> for a while. I actually don't mind that. One of my favorite series is The Hollows, which is a paranormal urban romance, and she's already on like book. I think eighteen is coming out this summer. Oh, wow! I'm like, all right, are they standalones? No, are they like standalones so... of the same characters every book? Yes, kind of. Okay. So they're like. Each book is structured around because it's like essentially a detective novel, but set in a paranormal urban like setting. That's Um, so cool. Yeah, and there's a lot of hot fantasy sex as well. Perfect. Um, And yeah, so each book is a different case, but also they are all like the main character is the same throughout, and so it kind of builds for her. But I'm like, just keep, I don't even care. Just keep feeding it straight into my veins at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, 10 books obviously. is okay. I, I'll tolerate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. I like that that little foundation then of who you are as a reader. And I also, I love the romance reader to writer pipeline because it's such <laughs> like, a, if I can't find what's going to actually make me come, I will write what makes me come. And I respect <laughs> that yeah or like just like this is my vibe and like rather than seeking out books forever with this vibe i'm just gonna write all the things with this vibe yeah yes um i okay so i want to jump ahead a little bit in the writing publishing questions just kind of based on what we're talking about here because you also do some other like art mediums can you talk a little bit about that yeah, so, well, I guess one of the reasons I didn't get into writing and, and reading as much until later is because I was always a musician first. So that was like my passion as a kid growing up was like I was a piano player. I did classical music pretty seriously until I was about like 13 years old. And then um, kind of had like a, anyone who's done classical music seriously will understand when I say that I had like a falling out and was like, I can't do this anymore. I quit everything. I didn't I didn't touch an instrument for five plus years. But now that I'm older, I play music um like with my husband and like just more in a much more fun, free setting. Um and yeah, and like I was also really into art as a kid and like it's something that I just kind of carried over. Art like art and painting and stuff was always like more of a casual like pastime. But um yeah, it was pretty weird like to find myself where I am now, like saying, oh, I'm I'm definitely like an author. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is mm-hmm. my career. Because like when I was I was one of those kids that you'd be like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd be like a concert pianist. Like I was like <laughs> so <laughs> determined. So. And now you write smut and that's OK. Yeah. So then in that respect, because kind of the way you're talking, like with the if you can't find the right vibe, write it. Um, it feels very much reminiscent of like the 
you know, I will like this one song, I'm going to play it over and over again, or I'm going to search through all of the songs that I own or that I have access to and hopefully find a different song with the same exact vibe, but that is not the same song. <laughs> and that's just yeah. like such a, it's such like a, I, God, I can't even pinpoint the word, but very specific to like creativity mm -hmm. or like you need that yeah. feeling to, to persist. I think it too, it like, Doing other creative pursuits gives you a certain confidence in the like understanding that you're like, I want this thing. And you're so right that it like you totally like narrow down your tastes in these really specific ways. And then like because of my other experiences, I, when I was like, I want this specific thing, I wasn't ever like I couldn't be a writer. What is that? Like I was like, well, I can learn an instrument. I can paint. I can do it. So like, why not write? You know, like it's kind of like it just kind of lends itself. So in that way, I'm really glad that I did, yeah, start out with other creative pursuits because I, I think they all kind of connect in a way. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I dabble in writing, but like I, I played, I was in theater in high school. I played instruments as a kid. And like, I think the muscles are similar, even if it's like a different part of your brain. <laughs> and I mean, there's how many studies are there into like, kids who are taught an instrument when they're younger flex their brain in different ways and like it benefits them in the long run so yeah i can see how that was it a scary leap when you decided to like try out this new medium or when you first started trying out was there the intent to publish as well or how did that not at all yeah like i'm a super private secretive person um, so when I started writing, it was like with this condition to myself that like no one would ever see this would never see the light of day unless, you know, well, that was at the time that was all I want. I was like, this is for me. No one's I didn't even want to tell people that I was writing because I knew that if I mentioned it, like my husband's always so supportive of like my different weird creative ventures. So I knew that if I even like told him, he would be like, I want to read it. And I was like, no, <laughs> so like. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I think too, as, as, um, I had a lot of unpacking to do, like from a feminist standpoint, like I was really embarrassed at first to be loving like romance novels that are like focused on like pleasure and like sensuality. Like I was really like, no one can know what I'm reading. Like people would be like, what are you reading? And I'd be like, that's like, how dare you ask me that? You know, like, so I had this, it was like, it's kind of a healing process for me, like going through for, cause now I'm like, oh yeah, I write you know slutty romance books like don't read that if you don't want sex like I'm totally like <laughs> over it but it was like this process of um of kind of healing in a way because by the time like I wrote my first book and then like I was finally like first I went through like where I admitted I was writing a book and that was like a big and everyone's like wow and I was like don't ask me about it you know so it's like <laughs> and that like to reach this point it's been such a process for me but it, it's really like like I like I said it's really like a healing thing like because it's like to have like no shame and like you know it's just like yeah take it or leave it I don't care nice nice I love that I love like getting rid of shame and cringe it's like the freeing part I I know there's a lot of um like critique over how much romance novels are taking over like the publishing industry and everything and from like a diversity standpoint, I can kind of understand that. But also like, it's not like there's a self-help. It's If it was self-help books, I think it'd be like a very different narrative. 
or if it was like yeah. you know like war documentary like docu <laughs> books kind of thing like very different narrative but because it's a series or like a, a genre where women are allowed to just enjoy themselves yeah I, people are angry yeah yeah it's yeah. like and, every like literally every other media is all male gay centered like movies tv like every it's like impossible nearly impossible to find um women-centered media outside of of books so it's like of course we're dominating the you know the publishing world because that's where like all women are going to find our content because it's not being made anywhere else like sorry yeah. <laughs> like you know yeah it's exactly like, we're we're 50 plus percent of the population and we like mm-hmm. consuming content just as much as the other 50 percent. so we're not gonna just lay down and like you know it's like sorry yeah well and at the time of filming this this is shortly after the oscar nominations have been announced and i like the whole margot robbie and greta gerwig thing where it's like they produced and directed and created this entire film that talks about how women have to try twice as hard to get half as far as men (laughs) and then that's exactly what happened when it came time for the fourth season they give the award, like the irony of giving the award to the I'm Just Ken song. I was like, yes. I just, yeah, it was like, I was like, this is like the grandest irony of all time. Like it's all, it's just so, yeah, it was crazy. And he realizes it. I like the statement that he released about it, but I'm like, I guarantee you the people who voted for this don't see the irony in this at yeah. all. No, for sure. It's yeah, I became a, I was like a real Ryan Gosling fan after watching that clip. Where they're like, they're like, I'm just Kevin and it cuts his face. And he's like, like, he's so shocked. Yes. And I was like, oh, I love, I love this guy. Same, he, he's one of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, speaking of, of, yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, like that movie made so much money, the Barbie movie. Yes. And it's like, because women love content for women. Like we're all there. We're all showing up. We have money to spend. And it's actually hilarious to me when, um, these major corporations, because that's what's, you know, behind all media's huge corporations, they're like rejecting this content that can make them billions of dollars. Yeah. And it's like you're literally shooting yourself in the foot because of your like misogyny, basically, you yeah. know. So it's like yeah. that's why publishing companies like Red Tower, like who publish Sanctuary, like they are run by women and like they they understand the market and they don't they're not like out to be like, you know, pandering to these kinds of like judgmental people they're like here's what people want let's give it to them and i respect that a lot supply and demand we're demanding it (laughs) yeah um i also i think the assumption with the barbie movie total derailment but i just can't not talk about it if this is what we're talking about um (laughs) is that like at face value especially in the trailers and everything, but at face value, it was this very kind of traditional, like, girly. It was covered in pink, and they're all, like, girly girls. And speaking as somebody else who also, you know, had to get over that kind of, like, letting myself be feminine thing when I was younger. Um, But the book, or the book, the movie also balances, like, those really heartfelt moments between her and the human world and her and her creator and all of this stuff. And it's, like, this range of female experience that i wouldn't be surprised if a number of those voters just didn't even see because at face value it looked like a doll pink movie okay 
Yeah, totally. I I definitely um, went into watching the movie, like, not sure, because, like, I've never been, like, not, like, not that I don't do, like, beauty stuff, but I've never liked pink. And, like, I've never been, I never played with Barbies growing up. Like, I was kind of a weird, quiet, like, awkward child. <laughs> so I was, like, I don't really have that, like, childhood, like, kind of attachment to the idea of, like, Barbies, play with Barbies, whatever. So I was kind of, like, I was almost worried that they were going to be, like, trying to narrow down womanhood into, like, you know, fake nails and wearing pink and, you know, high heels. But then what I loved about it so much was that it actually turned out to be the exact opposite of that. And that's the whole point that they're trying to make in the movie. And I was like, oh, my God, it's really I, I loved it. Yeah. And then, you know, you leave the theater sobbing like everybody and all of their like viral reels. And I'm like, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I was like, I would have worn a pink. I'm so ready. Yeah. Uh, OK. So <laughs> back to your writing. Um Tell me a little bit about your process creating this world. Um, yeah, so like I mentioned that my first love was paranormal romance. Um, and like the first series I ever wrote, I was paranormal. Um, I didn't, I haven't published it. It exists on a hard drive. It's one day I'll do something with it. But it was my like, you know, I needed to have that secrecy when I wrote that. But when I finished that series... I was really drawn to the idea of writing something that like where I could just make up all the rules because like generally paranormal and urban, it's set on planet Earth in like real existing cities. So you've got to kind of follow the rules of Earth, like people communicate via text messages or whatever. So I was like, um, I want to just make up things. I want to make up a magic system and I want to like envision like a weird city, magical cities and like all these things. So that was kind of the original like motivation that set me down that path of doing fantasy but I hadn't actually read a lot of fantasy romance nice. like before that point so it was kind of just for my own curiosity that I did it nice nice and it's it's like a fully fleshed out whole world that's a big step for if you haven't read a lot of <laughs> yeah. fantasy so if you had to narrow down then I guess influences for not necessarily just the world building but also kind of like I don't know any tv you were watching at the time any other books you were reading and you like kind of found that they were finding their way into the writing yeah so there were um yeah I think the main influence for the like the main inspiration for the setup of how Harrow and Wraith meet which is like he's in a cage and and she decides to like rescue him actually came um after watching that movie the shape of water i freaking love that movie it's so good I, yes. i've always been obsessed with it and i just love the whole dynamic of like he's this weird kind of creepy but like very like beautifully majestic mm -hmm. um creature and he can't really communicate and like she's also kind of misunderstood by the world and they have this bond that forms like immediately because they're both you know these misunderstood beings um and so like that kind of like obviously the dynamic is super different in my book i'm not writing like a fan fiction or anything but yeah it kind of yeah. inspired like this setup of like uh of like their kind of where they're at when they meet like i i like the idea of, of the misunderstood i always loved the misunderstood you know anti-hero 
character. Like that's always speaking of like writing what you love so that you can just always be immersed in it. That's, that's what I love. So. I love that. I love that. And like, I can see, like, see the, the threads between those two. Oh, such a good movie. Such. A I love movie. it. I need to go watch yeah. it. <laughs> I think I watched it like <laughs> I was once just like, year. can I squeeze that in today? Like, <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh, okay. Tell me a little bit more about why you decided to do a traveling circus as the setting. Yeah, well, that, um, I, I live in Montreal, which I didn't even know this until I lived here, but it's considered like, the like one of is not the best like places for circus in the world like it's actually like world renowned for the like the training and like um yeah there's like a circus school here i forget the name right now but it's like like a world renowned circus school and i actually have a lot of friends that are like people that are in the circus like i met my first friend um and yeah i was like so what do you do she's like oh i'm in the circus and i was like sorry well (laughs) like that's a job like you know, and then like Cirque du Soleil, everyone's heard of them. They're from here. Like they were originated, formed in Montreal. So they have like um, a permanent, well, it's not permanently set up, but they have like a tent that's always like off and on pitched in the old port in Montreal. Um, so I think I've been to see shows there. Like I pretty much go every time they bring a new show because it's so amazing. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. So then I guess just being exposed to that and then having my like, I have a friend that she does uh, like aerial silks. That's her like her primary circus art. That's like where the silks hang from the ceiling and you like wrap up it yes. and then you like drop and then it catches you and everyone's like, oh. So like talking to her about it and like about like how you actually go about learning that. And like, I don't know, it's just like, it's just such a different world for me. And like being, having that kind of inside track from as a total outsider like kind of inspired me and yeah I wanted to like explore it a bit more but in a totally different way so yeah 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 in a world with real magic and you know hybrid people and yeah yeah like in a totally different way that we'll never see in real life but I think I do think some of the like the the magicness of it was a little bit inspired by Cirque du Soleil because like if you ever go see a Cirque du Soleil show it does have this vibe of like of like you know otherworldly creatures like they're all dressed up in different outfits and they have like you know crazy makeup and it does feel like you're watching little like sprites or non-human beings that crawled out of a portal or something it does it does i so i live in phoenix and so i've been to vegas a few times and i've seen the shows out there and yeah it's i mean because like you know they're human but the way they're moving is just so beyond anything you thought humanly possible yeah it's amazing yeah i can't the last one see it more more than that yeah the last one we went to was like um um it was called echo i think it was like their a debut of it that they start they like debut it in montreal and then it'll go all the right places but it had this contortionist in it and he comes out looking like a little like kitty slash owl or something he had all this white um glowing face paint on and the tail and we we're like oh how cute like look at him and he was all like and then next thing you know he's like and twist in half and we were like wait <laughs> that's that's amazing i will have to see if i can check that out yeah. um nice i like that um related then because i mean you talked a little bit about 
you being a musician and everything, what kind of music do you make? Um, yeah, so like I said, I grew up playing classical. Um, and then I was like, all right, we're done with that. Um, and then randomly, a few years later, my piano teacher, like, bless her heart, she asked me if I wanted to learn pipe organ because she was like, didn't want me to quit forever. So she was trying to find like a totally different thing. And so, yeah, I was into that. Um, and then I, I actually worked like in a church. Like I'm not like a religious person, but I had a job working at a church for a few years as the like resident pipe organist. <laughs> Such a, nice. like, this is like weird backstory here that no one ever hears. But that the pipe organ is like you have like they're called manuals, but it's like one, two, three keyboards. And then there's also foot keyboard like a keyboards that you play with your feet um and so that like learning how to do that taught me how to like split my brain into a lot of different ways so then later in life now we I make more like it's more like we're into hip-hop and electronic music and um synthesizers and like stuff like that so I think all that background kind of set me up for doing that (laughs) Like being able to play multiple keyboards and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then let's see here. I want to ask a little bit more about your writing specifically. So was there ever a moment when you were writing, I guess, this, so Sanctuary of the Shadow specifically, but then also just writing in general, moments where you're like yes this is it it's happening I can feel like the muse shining her light down upon me definitely I think that's like the moment that every writer wants every day we don't always get it but that's I think those moments are what are what um I don't know I think that's like what makes me love writing when you get that feeling like it's Mm -hmm. like um, you're like you're like I'm really on to something here like but something's happening and it's like it's kind of like a high like an adrenaline rush a little bit um, and like my husband will know like I'll come out after you know writing I'll be like so giddy like and like fired up but he's like oh you must have had a good day today or whatever and then other days I'll like trudge out of there like oh he's like oh, oh, did go well like it's yeah so that's definitely I think what we're what we're all after Mm -hmm. that's fair that's fair um and now what does your writing practice look like is this like a daily thing that you're forcing yourself to do or do you like how do you conceptualize your writing practice yeah I think um in my experience if you like that aha this is it moment doesn't come maybe in the beginning you can chase it and wait for it and it's fine but if you want to do writing long term you can't wait for that feeling to come or that inspiration to like come and drive you to quickly write. You have to make yourself sit down and like just do the backbreaking, like just like it's like turning the crank on this rusty old machine in your brain or whatever. So there, uh, usually I write every day. I try to write something every day, even if it's like half a page. Like on a good day, I can I can churn out like 10, 15 pages. Nice, um, yeah. but on a bad day I just sit and like groan at my computer and write like half a page but I, I just make myself try to do it every day that I can um, and I have like my little ritual that I follow beforehand to like kind of get I don't know yeah I think a, a little ritual helps I don't know it like helps 
tell your brain that this is what we're doing now and like get in get in line let's behave <laughs> nice nice um what are you are you willing to share a little bit of that ritual or yeah that, I'm, yeah I'm it's, it's nothing crazy yeah it's nothing too crazy it's just like um i have a i'm a bit of a coffee snob you could say so we have like this really fancy espresso machine so i always make myself my like oat milk latte that's like step one and then i have like i don't know if you can see this is my desk here so i have like a little like oil diffuser essential oil diffuser and i usually turn that on with some like calming you know and i have like all my like i have my little lamps and like i just try to like make the zone um and i just clean make it clean and that's about it like mornings are usually when i try to work and i feel like i have the most creative energy in the morning Mm -hmm. sometimes i'm hit if i'm hit with random inspiration at like one in the morning then i'll write but usually it's yeah a daytime yeah i more and more i'm seeing or i'm reading about like writers who do it in the morning and i think i'm gonna have to pick that up because it seems to be the secret sauce to everything (laughs) yeah it's i yeah i think there's something about like your brain is fresh and like sharper um and like as a artist like painter artist i often found that i did that kind of art much better at night for whatever reason like drawing in painting and sketching just does not come to me easily in the morning like it's just mm-hmm. it's just like see like this is the, the wrong time to draw is like first thing in the morning like what is that so i i don't know and say and music too honestly like when i play um we have a little jam space like we always go there it's like eight or nine but how but before we even get there when we're there till like midnight so it's but like writing it's like trying to write at night i think it's like my eyes are tired it's yeah i just don't feel as sharp and there's a lot of willpower involved in writing i think like when you look at a blank screen and it's there's nothing there and you have these ideas in your head but it's like it's gonna have to be put into words and typed physically out like yeah i just see like there's yeah more willpower in the morning more like go-getter attitude yeah yeah it feels like you know that like i hate i hate like tricks like productivity tricks but that like eating the frog because i guess with music and art you can immediately see or immediately hear like what you're doing but with writing (laughs) you're right like there's so much just like staring at a blank page and then you write it and like there's what you think is in your head and then like what comes out onto the paper and that's yeah are often very different yes very true i'll have i'll have visualized the whole scene that will be like not even a scene i'll visualize like four or five chapters ahead and i'm like that's what i'm writing tomorrow like i'm so ready and then i'll sit down to write and like three lines in i'm like in a completely different direction i'm like never mind like you know (laughs) like it's like you just never know yeah yeah there's so much i think there's with writing versus other mediums, there's just so much more trudging through, like trying yeah. to filter out the noise. So yeah, yeah. I'm I think yeah, with yeah, with other mediums, like I don't. This might sound weird to say, but I feel like you kind of relax into it. Like, whereas writing, you have to like push into it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when you're drawing, it's like you're just you could just kind of flow with it. Or music too. It's like a lot of music is letting go of trying to push and force things 
but with writing, like it's not forced, but you do have to put forth like energy, if that mm-hmm. makes sense at all. <laughs> it does. It does kind of, I guess, because like music and like visual art, like painting or drawing are so like intuitively driven in a sense. Like they'd obviously take practice and experience and like honing of a skill. But writing like is language. That's not something that comes inherent to like the human experience. That's something mm-hmm. we're, we're like we're we're taught and we have to learn over that's time. That's so true. Yeah. Whereas that's like, so true. Hearing or just seeing, yeah. So that, I guess that that makes sense then. So nice. Okay. So then, lastly, one piece of advice. I'm gonna kind of expand on the question here, but I've got one piece of advice you have for people looking to publish their own work. But then also one piece of advice you have for just like budding writers. Okay. So the the budding writers would be like related to what we we're just talking about is like um at some point in your writing, you're gonna hit a block and like it will always happen. <laughs> Everyone, like I remember I thinking like I'm immune to this, and then it happened to me, and I was like, okay, now it happens. But I think the like what I've tr- taught myself to do is I like trick my brain and I say I'm gonna write like the crappiest crap like ever it's gonna be so bad that by the time I reach the end of the chapter it's going straight in the bin or like you know but as long as I write something and then like nine times out of ten after I finish writing the most garbage piece of crap chapter ever when I go back and read it I'm like oh it's not that bad it's it's just in my head that I thought it was terrible you know yeah so I think like developing some kind of trick to just make yourself right is so important. Like if you're in your own head, like doubting yourself or like not in the mood to write or like whatever it is, like whatever you can do to make yourself put words on the page is like the way to like finish a book, like to get through it. Cause like the fun parts aren't all, aren't the whole book. Like there's going to be parts of the book that feel so shitty to write, but you have to. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then yeah, and so advice. Yeah, so publishing advice. Um, my story is kind of weird because I'm hybrid, so I'm a book indie and trad published. So okay. what kind of happened for me is that I learned when I when I had written a bunch of books, and I was like, at some point, I need to do something with these books. So okay, fine, I'll publish them. Um, I sat down and learned about the difference between indie and trad, and at first glance, I was like, you know, I really like the sound of trad because um, trad means traditional. Just anyone listening who doesn't know. Um, and I like that because you're backed by a publisher. They have all the connections, work with an editor. You know, you have this whole team of people supporting you. Um, and I also understood that not all traditional publishing deals are good. And you have to have you know, the discrimination to like see what a good project, a good offer is. But I was like, in general, this sounds really nice to me. Um, but what, so I decided I'm going to go that route and I started applying. And then I think I went, was about six months of getting rejection letters. And I was like, what am I even doing here? <laughs> like, I don't like doing this. It's like, you had to write this elevator pitch for your book into like a paragraph. And then you just like, it just lands somewhere in this busy person's inbox who like doesn't know who you are. And like, you're just convincing them to like give you a chance. It just felt really like draining. And I was just like, you know, I'm not into it. So I I went and I switched to indie 
And then what ended up happening is as I was publishing my indie series that's published now, I got an offer from Entangled um, slash Red Tower to publish my fantasy book, Sanctuary of the Shadow. Um, and it and it was like the last queer letter I ever sent out before I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, it was pretty amazing. But so I, I guess I have that kind of like two, I understand both sides frustration because I didn't have some magic connection that got me, you know, in the door because I went to school or I knew somebody or it was totally just cold call emails and like a lot of like the stars aligned on my behalf because like like Red Tower itself hadn't formed yet. Um, Molly, my editor, she was like, I was actually the first author that she picked up when she started working for Entangled. So there's like all these little like things that aligned. Um, but I guess my advice would be to like, why things worked out well for me was because I like knew what I wanted mm-hmm. and I like believed in myself and that I had the ability to like make that happen for myself and I wasn't willing to compromise. And I also like I, I compromised, but I was willing to give up on things. And I also believed in my writing. Um, and so like when I got rejection letters, I was not like it's because I'm a terrible writer and I should quit. I was like, yeah, I was more actually like, like, I don't want to waste my time pitching my book to people that don't care about it when I know that it's good, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it'd just be like to keep your, to keep your head up and to, to constantly like check in with yourself and redefine like, what is it that I actually want here? Um, and also like indie is a lot of work and there's a lot of, there's a steep learning curve, but you can do it. I did it. I had, it was, it was COVID and I had a few months off from life and I just signed up for a bunch of courses and I learned everything from how to make a website to like newsletters to like, Mm -hmm. you know, everything. So it's all the information's out there. It's just a matter of like finding out what works best for you and like where your strengths are. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think kind of in this like genre, subgenre as well, there's so much more freedom with self-publication that mm-hmm. I'm glad that like there's there's a part of there's like an element of it that feels like, you know, the community of women kind of thing. Like women are always going to find a way to find community and this feels like a way that they've done it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I totally agree. Yeah. I love how we can in the indie world we could take the weirdest like most far-fetched stuff and then blow it up huge and then next thing you know like it's you know we're forcing the stuffy old publishers to yes. take note of it you know like yes exactly. it's like like i was i was explaining to someone that this exact concept the other day and i was using like i don't know if you heard about the tiffany roberts book about the spider sci-fi spider alien guy yes and i was only indie could have achieved that and then same thing yeah. like opal reigns um where the dust walker brides the they're like the giant monsters with the skull heads like there is no way any of those books would have ever seen the light of day had they exactly tried to go trad but like indie readers were like we love weird shit like give it to us and then it's like now like monster romance is a legitimate genre and like it's it's like i guarantee you we'll be moving into there's already monstery stuff moving into trad books 
like it's yeah like, it's just like, we're forcing them to, to to change yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. like yeah like the money's here and like even better the people making the money at first are just like it's just like a random person like all by themselves or with a small team and like these huge corporations are like we're missing out on this like yeah you know it's like it's Come awesome off. i love it i love it yeah. <laughs> i love sticking it to the man honestly like yeah like, like capital m and also just like men yeah sticking it to men in general yeah. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> um all right well thank you so much for joining me today on in bed with books uh i do we kind of touched on it so if you're allowed to say anything is there anything well okay this book came out very recently it came out on the 9th of january which by the way is my birthday so it felt like fate oh. yes cool uh, my birthday was the 7th so birth- oh, almost wow. birthday to <laughs> okay awesome. nice capricorns i love it yes um, what are you able to say about the sequel? So, yeah, the I, I'm guessing you realize now that the book ends with a nice ending. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yes. going to be because it's standalone. So um, it's going to be that the next book in the series is going to, like, continue the plot of, you know, everything happening in the world. But it's going to focus on new characters so the main character of book two is going to be Malaika, who's Harrow's best friend um, in book one. She's the lead acrobat in the circus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I, I re- and I really love her. She's like, she's just like fun to read. Yeah, she's just like stubborn, strong willed, feisty, like that classic. Like, she's great. She's fun to write, too. Um, yeah, and I, I know, I'm not going to give away yet who her... Um, who her partner is gonna be but that'll be yeah um, i wanna i wanna actually unexpected okay (laughs) um i will say i like that you went with like a kind of like near human looking female main character for the first one and then in the second one you're like actually this one's got a tail yeah it does (laughs) yeah so the first one i was like the guy has the weird features Mm -hmm. and that was yeah yeah i love it i love it okay thank you uh well where can we find you online um all my links to everything are on my website which is just auroraasher.com but i'm most active on instagram which is aurora.asher.author um yeah and then yeah links to like my newsletter and everything are on my website and i have a patreon speaking of doing art and stuff i make like character art on my patreon Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me today. And Yeah, thank thanks for gosh. having me. Yeah, of course. Of course. I was very excited to have you on here. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend as well. And then yeah, to you all of too. our oh, thank you. To all of our lovely listeners, happy reading. Thank you for joining me for another episode of In Bed with Books, a bookish podcast for bookish babes. Make sure to like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of the latest updates. And if you have any suggestions for authors, books, or topics that you want to hear about on the podcast, then feel free to DM me on Instagram or shoot me an email. I'm wishing you a lovely rest of your day, and until next time, happy reading.